Good afternoon, Dr. Kimberly. Hello, welcome back to myself. Yes, absolutely. Welcome. <laughs> Glad that you'll be here. You're ready to go. And Cheryl, to go. and of course Cheryl Shaw, we're on Brooch Watch today. I usually yep. have a look beforehand, but I haven't mm-hmm. today. Mm. So that's a you, you jump us in the road. Just oh, move that. Okay, I can't okay. see a damn thing. Let's have a really good look at this one, Mark. Come it's on, a, what a, is it? It's a poodle, and it's a golden poodle. It is, but and it's, it's out of my vintage collection, oh. and it's a really old poodle. So we're going to be talking about old dogs and winter today. Oh, oh that sounds pretty good. G'day, Vanessa at Walls End, your eight-week-old cavoodle. Not much of an appetite. What's going on? No, um, I thought it may have been because he's only just in a new environment and needs to settle down a bit first, but it's been 24 hours now. He's had a slice of ham, processed ham, which I think is probably no good for him whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just wondering, should I water down the pellets that I've been given or should I add possibly some sardines or something to them, like mix it in to make it a bit more attractive for him to eat? Uh, you certainly could. So this is obviously a, a fresh puppy that you've just you've just gotten. Did the um, did the breeder or the it says pet shop that you got him from? Did they tell you what they had been feeding in store? No, I just I shouldn't have assumed, but okay. I did um, that. What he sold me was what he was eating. Right. Yeah. In hindsight, I think um, what they had was. They were bigger pellets. Mm-hmm. They were dried pellets with no water in. Yep. Um, so, yeah, no, okay. I don't and know. And your puppy hasn't eaten anything today or other than the ham? No, no nothing. Not sh- showing any interest in it, sniffing around or anything? Oh, I can tell he's hungry. He'll yeah. have a sniff at it and then he'll, he'll just leave it. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess the first thing, is the puppy otherwise bright and happy and running around and active and things like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's acting like a normal puppy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a few different things. I guess um, I would check, put your hands in the puppy's mouth and make sure he's got some good teeth there because some of these little cavoodly type dogs will be late developers for teeth. But as long as you can feel some teeth in the back, not just the front fang teeth and incisors, have a feel that he's got some teeth there. Um, I would start out with just some adding a bit of hot water to um, the kibble um, and giving it a couple of minutes. Not so much that he should need it softened, but that will actually increase the smell and that will often um, you know encourage them to you know to eat remembering that little tiny cavoodles like this they have a teeny teeny tiny stomach so they don't need to eat very much you know for it to do what they need his, his stomach's probably the size of a teaspoon so it's you know it's quite little um, but you know I think yeah we, we do want to make sure he's eating um, and puppies like that when they're that little and and small um, they can burn through their calories pretty quickly. Um, mm. So we want to make sure that he's a well puppy, that you feel like his behavior is normal and that he's doing, you know, puppies will will sleep. They then get up and they usually have a pretty active sort of period, but it might be fairly short and then they'll go back to sleep, like similar to a human baby. And then we would typically recommend feeding them a minimum of twice a day, but probably um, at this stage I would recommend three times a day feeding. But it doesn't need to be huge oh, okay. meals. They're little tiny, you know, little tiny dogs. So small amounts of food mm. so mm. um so yeah. a couple of tablespoons mm. of these pellets a tablespoon a... yeah probably even yeah. start with a tablespoon of pellets yeah you know per meal okay. or you know i you know you're probably not going to get more than a quarter cup of food in him total in a 24-hour period at this stage okay mm. so when i add the hot water to the pellets should mm. i mash it with a fork um, you can you can just sort of like I tend to just pour the hot water on 
um, stir it through and, and then let stuff cool down a little bit and then and then mm. put it down. It'll take about 10, 15 minutes before it softens up that you can easily mash it. As long as he's got teeth there, there shouldn't actually be a reason that he can't eat, physically eat the food. Um, so mm. you just get your, get your fingers in his mouth and just make sure that he's not just gummy at the back. In that case, you may need to, you know, just keep softening it for a little bit. But as, as long as he's got teeth yeah. there, he just needs to get the hang of, you know, where the food is and um, and yeah. what it is that you're asking him to eat. Um, you can add, you know, sort of toppers of sardines and stuff, but remi- remembering that with young pups like this, we really want um, 85% of their diet to be a good quality puppy food so that they're getting all mm. the nutrients they need in the right balance. Um, and so yeah. adding things on, you know, as a topper, we just really want to do it to add a bit of flavor if he, you know, if he won't um, eat it. But it might take him a couple of days to sort of get into the swing of things. Right, okay. And now when I give him that bowl of food, should mm-hmm. I leave it there for a period of time and then take it away? Because yeah, the I would. Because told me not to let him graze. Yeah, I would. Mm. I usually sort of tell people to leave it down for, you know, 30, 45 minutes and then take it away um, right. and then offer, you know, a fresh one or offer it back. If it's dry kibble, you can just offer it back again at the next meal time. If it's wet, you probably want to make it fresh again at the next meal. All right, best of luck with everything there, Vanessa. Uh, Vanessa. G'day, Vicky at Charlestown. You have a couple of dogs who no longer seem to be getting along. That's right. Um, so are these new dogs to you, or is one of them a new dog, or what's happening here? No, we've, the youngest one yep. about eight months old. Mm-hmm. We've had her for oh, approximately six months. Mm-hmm. And the oldest one is, um, she's, well, turns two in October, but they're actually... Two girls and their siblings from different letters, mm-hmm. obviously. But the older one seems to be getting aggressive with the younger one. Yep. Um, not more than just a snap here and there. It's actually sort of seeming to be attacking the old younger one. Right. So, okay. Yeah. So I mean, this is can be can be quite tricky, I guess. Are both dogs desexed, or have you got anybody entire still? We've got one, the youngest one's not sex because we were advised because she's a Jack Russell cross Kelpie to wait till she was about 12 months old. So no, there's, she's not, a, we really only recommend that for large and giant breed dogs. There's not really any benefit to waiting for her. So I would potentially start with that. Um, but, you know, that, that eight-month-old dog, she's in a real teenagerish phase. Um, she's probably yes. pushing the boundaries. She's probably trying to work out whether or not she can get one over on the older dog, and the older dog is trying to put her in her place. Um, obviously, we need to be careful because you can certainly see um, – true aggression where you know where they start to fight but um it's not super common i guess we just need to try to identify in which situations it's happening is it is it that the dogs are playing and then the playing gets too rough or are they um competing over resources is it is it a favorite toy is it a favorite bone sorry more over the resources yeah the one sees the younger one get get something that it wants so Mm -hmm. it will uh yeah. So it's she's coming at her. Yeah. So, you know, in yes. that case, you may need to just make sure that they've always got equal or that they're separated when they've got particularly high value things like bones or toys or, you know, those sorts of things can be um, can be tricky. Um, mm-hmm. If it gets more serious, I guess, then you probably want to, you know, engage a veterinary behaviorist to try to help with it, because we can certainly see some dogs who, who will, you know, develop almost anxiety, you know, related behaviors. One dog's anxious about the other dog's presence and they, you know, particularly the 
the dog who's becoming aggressive might be um, unhappy about the younger dog becoming anxious about that and then she's sort of taking it out you know it's a bit of a big man syndrome like I'll get you before you get me um, kind of thing but um, go get your young one sex that would be the first place that I would start Cheryl Shaw is here uh, and also Dr Kimberly Earl good afternoon to Judy at Nora Head um, you have your male chihuahua and you have some questions there good afternoon Judy Good afternoon. Hi, Judy. What can we help you with? Okay. Um, my male is two and a half. Mm-hmm. And he's not the sex, but my female is seven and she is the sex. Yep. And she's obviously giving off an aura, I reckon, probably every three months. And he drives her insane. Right. Uh, yeah, just won't leave her alone. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I was just wondering whether it would be too late to have him desexed or whether you think that that would even help. Uh, it's never too late to have them desexed. I absolutely would get him desexed. Um, will it help? It will probably help, but it's certainly not a guarantee. Um, yeah. If he's actually mounting her and things like that, and he's doing it on a regular basis, then um, you know that will probably help. As he when once he's desexed, it takes about f- uh, three to four weeks for the testosterone levels in his system to really drop. But then his libido should drop as well. So he should um, hopefully reduce a lot of that. What we don't see um, desexing late, sort of later desexing helping with sometimes is urine marking. Like if he's the dog who goes around and lifts his leg on the corners of things, um, sometimes desexing them at this age won't reduce that because the dog has gotten into a... Um, into a habit of it yeah and it's hard to break that habit um but you know certainly if he's actually like really harassing her and mounting her that behavior should settle down yeah yeah okay and the only other thing is they're real barkers real barkers and yeah. i've tried everything i've tried the collars i've tried the, the thing that you put up on the wall nothing seems to help any suggestions there uh, oh wow, that's a that's a question and a half, isn't it? So the thing to remember is that barking is a normal behavior in dogs, and when they're barking incessantly, it's because they're aroused by something or worried about something or anxious about something or trying to communicate yep. something. Um, yep. So it's not an easy solution to fix. The things yep. that I always tell people to start with first is to make sure your dogs are getting sufficient amounts of exercise because I think we yep. underestimate sometimes how much you know exercise young dogs will need um, and then make them work for their food so that they're not so bored in terms of just you know like most dogs you put their food in a, in a bowl it takes them 30 seconds to five minutes to eat it and then that is done if you're a dog out in the wild you're going to stalk your prey you're going to hunt your prey then you're going to gnaw and chew on it for a few hours um, so you know very few dogs in this world are un incapable of learning how to use a puzzle toy or um, you know something where they have to work for their food where you even if you can stretch that meal out to 15 20 minutes you'd be surprised at how much um, it it changes their their behavior Um, and there's been some really good work showing that if you can make a dog work for their food um, you know you get rid of the bowl you know, put them into a puzzle toy. You might have to work your way up to it because some dogs need a little bit of, they need to learn how to, you know, how to do that. Um, But you'll be surprised at how much difference that can really make. Uh, It's shock and eater. It's shock and eater. I put something down and you'll go back to it 24 hours later. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's okay. He's not hungry then. Just let him him have a little bit less food. He'll get hungry eventually. 
I hopefully can help you out there, Judy. I've got to say, ladies, though, if um, you made me work for my food 15 to 20 minutes, it damn well changed my behaviour as well. Yeah. <laughs> Not for the best, yeah. though, i got to uh, say. I know, but, I mean, these are dogs, and, like, in a wild situation, that's what they would have to do, right? They would have to hunt their food, um, and then they'd sit there and chew on their bones and, you know, rip the skin and do all the, you know, stuff that wild dogs would do. Um, our poor dogs in the house, I mean, mm. they're lucky because their food is always there or, you know, they always know that the meal is coming. But it's it's over so fast, you know. Um, they say, I think, in humans that people who eat slowly get more pleasure out of the meal than if you just like... But that's a myth. You know, well, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But anyway, it, it certainly seems to be true for dogs. So, G'day, Jenny at Fern Bay. What's happening with the Maltese cross there? <laughs> yeah, well, I've got a Maltese Shih Tzu. Yeah. And my friend's got uh, uh, probably a small poodle. Mm-hmm. Now, we've, kn- we've known him for quite a while, you know, but the last two times I've been over, he's done poo-poo on the, the lounge handle. On the lounge handle. Okay, so the arm of the, mm-hmm. the, arm of the lounge. Yeah. So you're taking your dog to your friend's house? Yeah. And her dog is pooping on the furniture? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right beside me, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bit unfortunate. Oh dear. Also, can we also address Jenny that you called it poo-poo? I think that was quite funny. (laughs) Um, Listen, I mean, this can be triggered by lots of of things, but my first thought would be probably that he's anxious about having another dog in his space. Um, Could be excitement as well. You know, I know that my dog, when another dog comes over, gets so excited that trying to then try to get her to refocus to go to the toilet where she needs to go is really, really hard. Um, So, you know, I I guess I would preempt it by saying, before you get you out of the car with your little dog, you know, give your friend a text message and say, you know, we're here, put the dogs outside, give them an opportunity to empty their bowels and, and bladders yeah. outside, yeah. let them greet outside so that yeah. if there is some excitement, because it might just yeah. be that he's so excited, he's sort of forgetting what he has to do. And then by the time he remembers, it's all too late. There's no holding the, the flood back. Yeah. Um, well, they they yeah. play, they play and play and play, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. So, and that's what I say. Like, I think, you know, it, it's a little bit like, you know, the fear of missing out. They want to play with each yeah. other, play with each other, that they forget that actually there's normal body functions that have yeah. to happen. And so but by the time... It in, does it in the same place both times. Yeah, okay. I mean, is that a place that he would normally be or is it an unusual thing that he would normally, like, he wouldn't normally jump up onto that spot? No, he doesn't, no. Yeah, okay. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit unusual. There, there certainly could still be some... You know, even if they're playing together, he might be feeling like his sort of territory is being threatened. Um, most dogs will urine mark, not not poo mark, but like, who's to say? I was hiking recently and I was struck by the fact that the wombats always poop on top of something. So you're walking, you're walking through the bush and there's a rock or a log and there's wombat poo sitting right up on top of it. And they're yeah. clearly doing that as a way of marking their territory. Um, mm-hmm. And so maybe this little dog is... You know, playing wombat. <laughs> <laughs> best of best of luck with it, Jenny. Okay. Okay, righto. A little bit later on, Cheryl. I know you'll be very excited to be talking about your topic today. So hold on, we're not quite there yet. Okay. Uh, maybe even if we get time, we'll squeeze in a dog and a cat of the week. So I reckon, Cheryl. Here's the deal. Uh, you take another dog. I'll take a cat. <laughs> No, I'm not allowed. I'd like to, but I'm not allowed. My husband says no. Yeah, yeah, but you're the lady of the house. When has that ever stopped you before? The inn is full. 
Yeah, yeah, right. We'll see. Until if the right dog will come along, <laughs> change your mind. G'day, Amanda at Mayfield. Uh, you have a little bit of dog aggression happening at your place as well, Amanda. Yeah, I do. Yes, I've got a five-year-old lab cross, um, and my eldest daughter has moved out of home and just got herself a gorgeous little retriever puppy, mm-hmm. and we tried to introduce them. Um, and Lenny, my lab cross, who has said shown aggression before um, or reactivity, as um, Julie from Barks and Balance like to call it, um, yeah, he wasn't a fan of the puppy, and I'm just going. How do we get around this? What can we do? What have we done wrong? Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. And so, where did you introduce the new puppy to the new to, to your existing dog? Um, we took our dog round to my daughter's house where the yep. puppy lives. Okay. And so it wasn't it wasn't on your territory, which is good. That's the first sort of thing. Um, and your dog has previously had issues with other dogs. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. yeah he's reactive, um, and it's all hit and miss. Yeah. Um, it was okay. mainly with older dogs, oh, sorry, bigger dogs, but mm-hmm. I thought, oh, no, a puppy. We had our dog on a lead, so I don't know if that was right mm-hmm. to have him on the lead, but we were concerned because he's so unpredictable. Yeah. Um, and with a retriever puppy, um, we just yep. sort of thought, hey, we don't want him. Um, yeah, we, but there is a crate at my daughter's house that I've crate trained the puppy in. So I'm yep. thinking, should we have put the puppy in there and let our dog approach the Maybe, that way, yeah. But, yeah. It, it's tricky. Um, I mean, certainly dogs can behave quite differently when they're on a leash versus when they're not yes. on a leash. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't give up yet, but I guess the things that we need to be really um, careful of is that, you know, dogs who are who are reactive or who can show regression, um, they are really unpredictable. So obviously the number one priority has to be protecting the puppy. Um, yeah. I do think that potentially creating... Um, the puppy, and then allowing your dog to approach as, you know, they see fit, provided that you're fairly confident that your dog isn't just going to run straight up to the crate and, you know, have a crack at the puppy, Um, you know, but that would be a situation where hopefully the dog feels free to to come and go as they feel comfortable, because sometimes even on a leash, that can be, um, you know, a bit intimidating um, yeah, you know they're yeah. they're on a leash and they might feel like you know their their ability to flee is restricted, um, mm. and even though you know a, a normal um, I shouldn't say normal but a dog with normal socialization and mental health should see a nice young puppy as being non threatening. Um, well, if yeah. your dog wasn't socialized very well or had a traumatic experience as a young dog. Um, you know, and it may not even be something that you've identified, but in the dog's head, you know, it's something that has built up. Um, he just may not have normal um, reactions to even yeah, a puppy. Yeah, he's just so unpredictable. I mean, mm. if he can approach dogs in yards, um, if they're smaller than him, he's so happy yeah. to, to go up and sniff them through the fence and he whinges and wants to say hi. Yeah. Then he can be 20 metres away from a, a large dog that. We hadn't even spotted on the weekend when we were whale watching in town and he spotted this dog and just started growling and just sounded so yeah. vicious. Yeah. Um, and we're worried that we're going to um, traumatise the puppy because that's what, yeah, um, yeah I'm like, oh, that's my daughter's right. like, I don't know if this is going to work. That's you know, right. I just went, so, you know, yeah. I guess, I mean, I guess the thing that you potentially would do would be to set it up so that the dog is free to come and yep. introduce himself, you know, while the puppy is still protected. So potentially in the crate, the, the downside to the crate is that you can't get in there to easily, yeah. you know, sort of 
console or, or, or help the puppy. Yeah. But it might be good to have somebody, you know, with a puppy just sitting on a lap or, you know, wait till the puppy has fallen asleep um, and have it just sitting on a chair on somebody's lap and then let the other dog off the leash in a in a neutral environment or in, you know, in your daughter's territory mm-hmm. and let the dog sort of explore the puppy there. Um, yeah. Once you work out that your dog will hopefully not approach the puppy, you know, in a way, you know, if, if your dog can learn to just stay away from the puppy and yeah. and learn to be less threatened, then it's really easy to keep the puppy on a leash and have the other dog get used to the puppy by, you know, sort of from a distance. Um, but it's a different story if your dog is going to come and, you know, be abusive to the puppy or, mm. or, or terrorizing to the puppy, um, then, you know, you might need to, to back off and even look at um, some behavioral help, you know, some pharmaceutical help for your dog until it gets to a point where it's trustworthy to, to, to try again. It's a, yeah. it's a complicated situation for sure. Yeah. Another oh, way to look know. at it. Another way to look at it, Amanda, is if going somewhere for a walk together, so arrange to meet somebody and have both dogs on leash and then just walking alongside each other with, you know, two people between the dogs so Mm. that you don't have that aggression going towards the the younger puppy because certainly the younger puppy is going to um, feel very threatened if that's Mm. the interaction it has all of the time with an older dog. Yes, we we did think of that because we said we live close to each other and I thought perhaps I could walk around with my dog and then we could just, yeah, go for a walk together. Together and see because it, on the lead I do have good control like um, mm. you know I said we've done a lot of training with Barker's Imbalance and Julie and um, he does look to me for direction so yeah. I'm hoping that I can sort of you know um, detract or de- you know deter him from doing anything that he's not supposed to and yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, I would just start start at a distance, yes. and then and then you know see what your dog's reaction is going to be like. But like you said, sometimes dogs on leashes will will respond differently to dogs who are more free to move yeah. around. So, bit tricky. Good luck with it. So when you are FM one hundred three point seven, probably time for one more. If you've been hanging back, we've got a quick one for us on four nine two one six two one six. Cheryl Shaw is here, as is Dr. Kimberly Earl. And look, it's it's kind of that time of the week, ladies, where we in, invite you to sort of expand your family a little bit, adding a, a dog and a cat. Now, we've tried with Cheryl. She's just said, "Hubby said no." Kimberly, what do you reckon? Come on, uh, my come pup, on. My my dog is two years old, and she is a literal perpetual puppy. <laughs> dumb as anything. Super sweet, lovely mm. dog, but dumb. Not adding another one to my family. <laughs> All right, so, that, so, so just in case, that's a no. That's a no. <laughs> Which is kind of good because that leaves yeah. the floor open for you at home if you're looking for a dog or a cat. Mm. We'll start with the, the dog first. Now, uh, uh, Jose, nine-week-old male Mastiff cross puppy, but he's one of a litter. There's like a few of them. Yeah, so this is like the J litter. We've got <laughs> Jeremy, Jesse, Jasmine, Jackson, Jake, Jamie and Josh are also available for adoption. It's a big litter. Big litter. Um, so these are going to be big dogs. Well, mm. medium. It says medium to large dogs, mm. but looking at the picture mm. of Jose here, it looks um, like they're going to be decent-sized dogs. Um, I don't Nine weeks old, so they're pretty young. Um, but, you know, at that right age where it's time to start thinking about going off to their new homes, um, lots to choose from. <laughs> yeah, look, lots to choose from. And again, with, with dogs of this sort of nature, uh, a, a bit of training as well. Um, also, what are we sort of thinking of? The right home, the right fit for such an animal? Yeah, so we're going to need some um, some space to move. These are not going to be apartment dogs, most likely. Mm. Not handbag um, dogs, that's not for Not sure. handbag dogs. It says they have been raised with um, other dogs and children, so that is a good thing. I mean, they're, they're only pretty young yet, so there's 
lots of um, room to socialize them really well um, to a lots of different environments. Um, it looks like they've even been introduced to chickens, which is bonus. Um, but they're going to be decent sized if you've got chickens at home yet. Um, if you so haven't, you're going to need some. good fencing, and they're probably going to be you know dogs that requ- have a fairly high um, exercise requirement, certainly early on. Um, you know, over the first few years. Um, they're all too young to be desexed at this stage. So um, there is a note here that they want to keep them in the lower hunter region so that they can de- be desexed as part of the um, the normal program um, with these guys. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they look like lovely little dogs. Pretty cute. Yeah. So, and, and by the sound of things, you certainly have um, your Some pick. Choice. You go can and, have your pick of the litter. How you about can that? have your pick of the litter. <coughs> go and find one that's going to suit your personality. If you need a cat, though, uh, Ariel it might be for you. Sweet and affectionate mm-hmm. cat who loves people, which can be a bit of a that, – that's not a regular thing for cats. They don't – they just like to be doing their own thing normally. <laughs> oh, some of them some really cats love people. people. Yeah. Yeah. Other cats are a little bit more standoffish, but yeah. Look, this one, Chatty enjoys head rubs and will spend hours napping with you on the lounge. So a little playful as well, so likes playing with the toys as well and best suited to her home where she is the only pet and can be kept safely inside. Uh, it's been in the pound for quite a while, but now in the hands of the gang at Hunter Animal Rescue, looking for a forever, forever home. She's okay around the kitties uh, and quite gentle with humans as well. So just not a fan of other cats. That's the other thing there. Yeah, so I think we've talked about that before, mm. that it's not always straightforward to introduce a new cat into a, um, a home with an existing cat. Uh, and it sounds like Ariel <laughs> does not wish to be part of a multi-cat household, so probably best to um, to keep her separate. She says she might be able to coexist with a cat-savvy dog if they give her space. So if you have a dog who isn't going to be chasing and terrorizing her, might be a possibility, but um, maybe, maybe you know, she'd love to be an apartment cat on her own. I think, though, that uh, for, from what we're reading there, it's like a, a nice quiet household without any issues, just a nice yeah. peaceful environment. Um, so, yeah, good luck for those animals. Hopefully they mm. get picked up. Yep. Ladies, that's just about it for us for Pet Chat today. Thank you. Dr. Kimberly, oh, thank you. Sure, we didn't get to your topic. but Oh, well, next week. But the good news is, though, like you don't have to think of a topic for next week. You've got one <laughs> built in ready to go. That's right. All right, that's Pet Chat done. Uh, thank you, ladies. Another Pet Chat on the way next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>